Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Jones of all ages, welcome to the main event of the evening. It's Talking Joe with Chief and Steve. Oh, yo! Yo, Joe! Hey, 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 it's me, the Chief. I don't even know what time of day it is, what day it is, what year it is, what I'm doing. What about you? Do you know what you're doing? Uh, I'm wearing a shirt, Chief. Holy boy! What? Bag. Stop <laughs> the presses. Hold the front page. This is... Someone call up BBC and let them know. <laughs> yeah, the temperature's finally dipped below the 20s centigrade here in Townsville. Quick, I want to quick interject there. I'm hoping this is a button-up shirt and the... Buttons are undone. No, not even, man. I've been getting Harry casual. Like I, the reason I am actually wearing a shirt or t- actually a t-shirt. Sorry, chief. Sorry, everybody. The reason I'm wearing any clothes at all is less to do with the temperature and more to do with the fact that I've just taught an English class to a lovely little Chinese gal by the name of Scarlett. Okay. <laughs> and typically we are encouraged to wear button downs, but this is about my fifth class with the same student, and we're, we're pretty casual by this point. So no, it is a, a t-shirt with Batman and the Joker on it. <laughs> Whoops. Nice. And you could not do that video conference without a shirt on. No, no, I don't think that would be appropriate. <laughs> She's thirteen, chief. Without getting into tr- <laughs> yeah, without getting into trouble. And it's China, man. They are always watching you. They are always dropping in. Like, yeah. you never know when the administrator is uh, passing an eye over your class. So. No, I, I dare not do anything untoward. I mean, we even spoke on the topic of, like, has she ever tasted alcohol today? And the whole time I was like, oh, shit, have I said too much? Am I going right. to get her talking to? But she brought it up. She was yeah, like, yes, yeah. today my mother bought me a pineapple drink that had alcohol in it. It's like, oh, well, Scarlet. Okay. <laughs> How yes. was it? Okay. Hey, <laughs> racy stuff. How are you doing, Chief? Not bad. Not bad. Same as usual. Stuck in the loft. Just uh, going about my business. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. I think one of the main... Th- I'm trying to think what I've actually done this week of, of note. And one thing I did try and do is organise the loft because it is a mess. And I want to make room for a Scalextric track. Now, if you're outside the UK... I mean, Scalextric is a brand of slot car racing. So... It's massive in the UK and, and formed part of my childhood and, and youth to, to a big extent. Me and Ben are going to talk kind of in detail about this on an upcoming Out of Timers episode. But I don't think Scalextric as a brand was really known outside of the UK. But anyway, I want to make room for a big track around the loft. I need to tidy. One of those things I've started doing is reorganising the cabinets. And I've been taking apart every piece of Lego kit that is made breaking it down into different colours, individual bagging it, and then put it back into its box. Oh, my word. <laughs> An OCD chore of notes. Wow. Now, tell me, the yeah. Scalectric yeah. sets that you guys used, what scale were the cars? 132, I think. Oh, uh, 132. One. So, we had Tyco sets, which I imagine had okay, to be yes. inferior, but those were 1 to 72. I think. Was Tyco the one that had the... No, TCR had the lane-changing thing where you had the you had the trigger, the, the hand controller, but there was a button you slammed on the top, and when you slammed it, your car would switch lanes, so you could have, like, three cars on the track at the same time. That's epic. Yeah, and I also had a... 
I'll post, let me write a note of this to post some pictures up. <laughs> Do. Of, I had this uh, matchbox set, which was called Police Car Chase. And it was a figure of eight, the standardized figure of eight kind of under the bridge. But the bridge section had a yellow tipper ramp. And as you drove the Corvette over the ramp, the, the ramp would kind of flip down, almost creating a blocking effect. So the police car chasing would just crash. Oh, excellent. And you had buttons where you could hit on the top. And as your car's going around one of the tight corners, you hit the button and the car would actually spin around and do a 180 and go down the other way. Sure. More to it than meets the eye, man. Like, I always find those That's things it. so mindless. But if you really, really are serious about it, there's an art to it. Building the perfect track. Yeah. Yeah, go and check out uh, all listeners. Go and check out Ben Flying Retro on Instagram. He put up a one-minute Skeletric video he made recently, and it's he got a DeLorean car in the post, and he made a a little video with Phoenix's son going up into the loft, discovering this track, and then uh, having a whiz round. So go and check that out, Ben Flying Retro. It's a it's it's good. Where we're going, we don't need track. (laughs) oh wouldn't that be fun if it could actually levitate but uh, pipe dreams that's so cool chief anything else you've been up to uh reviewing lethal weapon and giving it two stars i got some flack oh my jeepers (laughs) chief in my defense buddy i saw it on the plane from manila to australia and i swear anything you watch on the back of a seat uh regardless of how good the airline is it's always going to be tainted I just was yeah. angry with the world, man. Uh, but I can't bring myself okay. to watch it again, so I don't know if I'll ever be able to overturn that poor score. Yes, yes. Well, you know, um, everyone's entitled to their opinion, <laughs> even if it's an incorrect one. Yes, indeed. Uh, I, I'm making my way through the Lethal Weapons. I've done one, two, and three, and I will do four tomorrow if I get time, I think. Diminishing returns, surely. Yes, I think I've gone... Diminishing returns, yeah. yeah. I think I've gone five stars, four stars, three stars so far. But I don't like to chain these movies up and Mm. binge them. I've stuck a different, completely different movie in between each one, just to break it up. Very good. Potato chips, crisps, biscuits and candy. Washing them down with a whiskey or a brandy. Chewy sweets, cookies, building and jerky. Snacks running fear because we got them at our mercy. We're snackers, attackers, bad mother truckers and we're eating all the crackers. Munchers, crunchers, knockout snacks like we're heavyweight punchers. Snack police are in there. Here's out. Listen, I am hungry. It's oh. my lunchtime. It's way past your evening meal time, surely. But uh, so, have you got another full on meal as you did last time, or have you got a quotes snack? Oh, definitely quotes snack. It is the ultimate snack, Chief. Oh. And the fact that I haven't consumed any of it up to this point is a lesson in restraint that I'm, I'm, it's, I'm crumbling. I have okay. popped fresh off the stovetop a very generous helping of popcorn. You sent me a <sighs> picture, and are you eating for five there or what? <laughs> Dude, I always go for quantity. When it's popcorn, okay. man, I can just scarf the stuff down like no restraints. Yeah. You're effectively having puffed corn. So, you know, it's a yeah. handful of kernels, really, at the end of the How day. How bad can it be? No, it, it doesn't stay with you, man. It's just all air. You have a few belches and it's all gone. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just talk toppings quickly. Are you a, a varied multicultural man? Do you mind a bit of sweet, a bit of salty, you know, a bit of, uh, I don't know, a bit of chili, a bit of honey? Uh, can you go in any direction and be happy or does it have to go down one line of, of thought? For the longest time, I was a savoury guy exclusively. Someone... <laughs> 
had the absolutely bonkers idea somewhere in history to put Smarties or Astros. What what do you use? Maltesers? I don't know. Just some kind of okay. chocolate into their popcorn at the cinema. And that just caught on, man. Like nowadays that is a treat because you're going through a very savory snack and every once in every while you get this little candied chocolate explosion. Oh, right. I see what you're saying. Not... Not the whole box was that. It was kind of like little little surprise nuggets oh, in the you, middle of it. You just chuck the box of Smarties in. Do you have Smarties in the oh, UK? Sure. Yeah, we have Smarties, but I've never heard of anyone doing what you just described. Mate, don't knock it till you tried it. No, I'm not knocking it at all. I'm not knocking it at all, but uh, maybe localised to your area. Hmm, okay. Well, th- this evening's snackage is very localised to the good old RS of A. In that picture I sent you, and I hope you do put it up on the socials for everyone's benefit, I'm a good man, um, is a local South African seasoning called Aromat. Okay. I assume it's local South African. I assume it's not uh, common to the world. Now, I saw I saw the branding of Noor, yes. K-N-O-R or double R, whatever it is. Now, that is familiar to me. I, I've actually cooked with some Noor stock cubes yesterday, but uh, Aromat is, is not something I'm familiar with. <laughs> Let me just read you the first three ingredients. Salt, maize, flour, flavor enhancers, and then in parentheses, monosodium glutamate, baby. <laughs> there this you go. is 75 grams of pure MSG, and I've salted my popcorn with it. It makes your taste buds go ballistic. I mean, where else yep. do you get pure, refined MSG, baby? It's a, it's a global no-no. What that does mean is that even though it looks like you've got a popcorn bowl for five people, that will definitely be all consumed by you. You know, it's going to take all the restraint in the world to stop me from crunching my way through this podcast. But let me just, <laughs> please, get a chuck a mouthful into Yeah, do my it. Do it. We've hole. talked long enough. At least let you taste some. Mm. 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 It's still warm, chief. Oh. oh, the man's happy. The man's in heaven. He's in popcorn heaven. I'm going to mute my mic and shut the hell up for a few yeah. seconds. All right, I'll tell you what I'll tell you what I got then. Let me send... Actually, I didn't send you a picture. I'll send you a picture. And I haven't actually posted up last week's snacks onto the socials yet. So you've reminded me that that is something that I need to rectify post-haste. Yeah, man. My wife's cooking, brother. Yes, correct. Correct. I'm on that. Uh, so what I've got here is I made a snack and it was just using up old ingredients in the cupboard. So... The kid was running out of Rice Krispies, which is one of her preferred breakfast cereals. And I thought, I'll be healthy, and I'll buy these things. They were called Beanie Krispies or something like that. And they're made from kind of crunched soya beans, dried soya beans or something like that. Anyway, it's it's a Rice Krispie, puffed rice substitute, but a lot healthier, supposedly. Now, it may well be healthier, but with that comes a distinctive lack of taste. And... These bad boys were rubbish. She had a bowl. She's like, I don't like these. I was like, what are you talking about? I'll finish the bowl off. No, I didn't like them either. So I thought, I'll put all those into a big mixing bowl. I will, on the hob, melt some honey, agave syrup, coconut oil, and peanut butter. Then I will chop some apricots and pistachios, put those in, mix all the dry ingredients, put it onto a baking sheet, push it down with some brute force and a, a, a bit of greaseproof paper, put it in the fridge, and make myself a homemade kind of crunch bar. So let's have a go. Yeah, good. You've improved it. A well, the true test yeah. is if you give it to Evelyn and um, and it gets her stamp of approval. She, yeah, she likes it. Hmm, excellent. You saved it, Chief. Well done. I saved it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't hear you. The crunching in my ears was so loud. <laughs> good job, um, buddy. We we chatted 
uh, just before we start recording that uh, is Evelyn gone fully vegan now because I tried feeding her a shroom dog for lunch today and she was not impressed uh, but I did actually give her she keeps saying that her favorite meal of all time is macaroni cheese and there's a segment again another cheap plug for the out of timers on that show we do an ask the kids segment and ask the kids this week was what can you not live without and the other two kids said oh family and the love of your family and being around people and my kid said macaroni cheese good girl and the fact that she's only had it probably once in the last year because she doesn't like non-dairy cheese so she's not had it i thought Look, let's treat her let's go and buy so i went to the shops and i bought an eight pounds in cash money eight pounds sterling Ooh. macaroni cheese which is normally you're looking at maybe one pound fifty or two pounds Jeez. This was like a deluxe luxury Charlie Biggums with pancetta and crunchy croutons and herbs on top. Just so, for her? No, I split it with her. So I <laughs> came off my non-dairy kick for one meal and we split it. And I can attest that it is the greatest macaroni cheese, shop-bought macaroni cheese I've ever had. And she Oof. was in heaven as well. So everyone was well, pleased all yesterday. eight pounds worth it then. <laughs> yeah, Excellent. Chief, you've got a question from Facebook uh, on the f- subject of food and breaking fasts. Yes. JC wants to know when you're going to have your next meat <laughs> treat. <laughs> yes, I saw that. I saw that. And I did reply saying that normally it's the Super Bowl. So first week in February, NFL season closing Super Bowl. I will I will push out the boat and have like a bacon double patty kind of burger. Yeah, man. What's it going to be now? The 200th but episode? But this year, of, of I think... <laughs> well, I think this year, I think I went... V- vegan this year for the super bowl i honestly can't remember but i am thinking of when we come out of lockdown i am going to go to five guys and order a quad patty which is my standard used to be my standardized five guys order with everything Uh, again i'll post a picture so let me get my pen out again so what have i got to do i had to post last week's snacks i had to do something else because i've lost a bit of paper and post up images yeah i'll tell you what i'll do i'll just re-listen to the episode to find out what i'm supposed to do <laughs> unless this is met with a cut 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 yeah i got access to the unedited cut though i think still oh, of course of course <laughs> um listen we are fully caught up we are fully snacked up so now it's time to get fully comic up it's comic talk it's comic talk baby chief and steve discussing like crazy larry harmer riding these bad boys making sense of the wackiest toys Listen as we talk about story arcs, making noise louder than junkyard box, talking about character motivations and all the various G.I. Joe fun locations. Right, so 187, 188. I had a lot of fun with these ones. I'll be telling you that. So let's first of all look at the covers. 187. Again, we're still in the, the remit of just the regular cover and the retailer incentive. This is Gallant and Erskine, colours Jay Brown. Jinx Buddy. in the middle of a load of blue ninjas that we haven't seen for a while. Oh, I cursed when this cover popped up. I well, saved these issues up until, you know, th- the same day of recording this episode. So I didn't quite know what I was in for. Okay. And when I saw that cover come up, I was like, I think I'm going to go do something else for a little while. Really? Well, fortunately, the content inside, you don't, you only get a couple of pages of blue ninja stuff. I know, but I'm Still, like... Still, that was I, too much. It, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't need him. Not this okay. soon. It's, All right. it's, yeah, the Blue That's Ninjas fair. thing is played out. I was like, I was so happy that they had mysteriously bowed out of this plot. Because we saw one Blue Ninja trying to rumble uh, Pale Peony. Yeah. 
and then he got taken out by uh, Road Pig. Yeah. So that kind of came to a dead end, but now now they're back. My yeah. favourites. And we'll talk <laughs> about it. And Jinx handles them quite easily as well, which mm. we hadn't potentially seen previously. Anyway, uh, Dude, you can fit plot armor under that red jumpsuit, of course. <laughs> that plot armor is thick. Yeah, yeah. One eight eight cover. We've got some kind of what I was just going to call it a raft, but what would you call that thing that they're in? Uh, I think the, the, the sort of military term for it is a Zodiac. Zodiac, that's right. Actually, because mm. they meant they do name check it as a Zodiac. You're quite correct. And this has the G.I. Joe team for this particular mission in it. So who have we got there? We've got Stalker, Scarlet, Gung-Ho, Beachhead, and Torpedo in the back. No points for guessing which is my favourite cover, Chief. Yeah, obviously this one. I, this is still... I prefer... I'm looking now at a little pick of Larry's Retailer Incentive Pencils, which I think I prefer... This is, mm. I would say this is okay. I wouldn't necessarily say this was anything special, this cover, for me personally. Uh, what does uh, Larry's pencils add that you feel the finished artwork then subtracts? I think maybe just the angle of the boat is not quite as tipped yes. up as much. Yeah, there's more drama. Um, yeah, L- Larry's boat is kind of angled more towards the reader. But I will say this much, the real sort of point of interest in the finished artwork for me yep. is exactly how much Welly Stalker is giving that radio. Yes. He is yelling into those comms. Like, the other Joes look stoic, except for Torpedo, who's probably the most experienced guy in this setting. And yeah. he looks he looks a little bit apprehensive. Man. He does, so yeah. Yep. And he even he, he even mentions that in the episode, in the issue, doesn't he? He even you know, they say, you know, for a Navy SEAL, if you're nervous, then we could be shit out of luck here. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I think uh, Gallant is, is holding down the fort admirably, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, well, let's check out the the insides. And to do that, we need a recap. So, last time on A Real American Hero. In Benzene, all hell breaks loose. Airtight and Dusty have been captured and shipped off to a prison facility. The same prison facility that houses a secret nuclear device deep underground. Colonel Farood, the newly appointed leader of Benzene, wants to test his recently acquired Krypton device, and with Darklon's help, activates the nuke. But before Farood and Darklon can escape the prison, a two-pronged attack on the facility commences. Zartan and his group on one side, Lieutenant Falcon and his team on the other. As the assault begins, the clock ticks down. Nicely done, you practiced that. No, 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 first time in, first time in, as always. One take wonder, congratulations. (laughs) <laughs> now chief going in dry i mentioned at the top that i had a lot of fun with these issues i thought they were both now we will take them separately because this first issue does close off and i've kind of written down on my pad issues 180 to 187 and i am actually going to rank that as an arc when we come to the end of this because that's the 180 is where they go to the comic convention which is the start of the whole krypton plot and it kind of finishes here i think in a distinct way so i'm going to rank this eight issues as an arc at the end but this was very filmic very cinematic this issue i thought there's action going on on several fronts and it's kind of breakneck speed throughout yeah man i love the stuff going down in the desert yeah yeah incredible loads of intrigue loads of tension dude falcon is the man oh my word (laughs) takes a shot to the face yeah yeah injects himself with some painkillers i guess or something to stop the blood flow maybe and he's launching himself out of the foxhole firing away at his shotgun i mean it's it's incredible this is gi joe at its finest this is and real pitch i think falcon came out really well from this issue he hasn't really had 
to do too much from a comic point of view up to this point in the run. But here, he almost feels like they're making him a bit like Flint, almost. And maybe that was his parallel anyway. But, you know, kind of the tough guy in charge. Like you said, he's injected himself. Spirit's actually saying, do you want to relinquish command? And his response is, uh, nah. And then he pops up and blam, blam, blams his shotgun off. So he's not ready. <laughs> but later on, he does. You know, he says his integrity, you know, he's always losing integrity of the mission of his senses. So, yes, let's let Spirit take charge. But I thought they gave him kind of the macho thing, but they also gave him the, the sensible command decisions as well. Now, Larry famously does not absorb other G.I. Joe media. No. So he wouldn't know, he would not necessarily know this. But I'd like to think on some level he feels like championing Falcon's case anyway, because in animated form, Falcon is a jackass. Right, okay. You know, he's, he's like, as was established with the Sholey and the interview there, he's, he's Duke's half-brother, but he's kind of, he's a bit of a mess-up. Yeah. Bit of a showboat. Uh, he, he gets it all right by the end, but, like, he certainly isn't the pure guts and glory real American hero that he's depicted by Larry. Right. Um, he's, he's absolutely the consummate soldier and professional. And, you know, obviously Falcon's animated appearance can very easily overshadow his appearances in the comic books because he's got that few. Yeah. But it is a reminder to us all that this is how Falcon is characterized in the comic books and you dare not forget it. <laughs> no, no. Um, he's the man. Just for my own sanity and clarity, can you help me just recap what some of the protagonists here are doing? So... The before we do that, my favourite line is from Darklon, and they're trying to get out. One of the goons says, "We're trapped, Darklon." He says, "Not if we commandeer this Scorpion 2M and make a run out of the gate." Then my next favourite line: "I'd rather brave bullets than gamma rays." And I think yeah. that might be—is that a reference because he's in green and the Hulk was obviously <laughs> green, and gamma plays a big part in the Hulk's origin and and history. I just thought it was quite funny. Maybe that's yeah, just me. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Defs. Uh, I, I always just took it to mean, and I'm no nuclear physicist or anything, but uh, isn't that the, the the predominant kind of radiation that a nuclear detonation would would give yeah, off? Yeah, I th- I think yeah, I, yeah. I, I I was on that track as well, but I thought it was just interesting to put that that line in there, considering Darklon's also green like the Hulk. But Darklon is there because he's gone. He went there to run a field test on the nuke using the Krypton to trigger it. But then mm. your man bugged out, didn't he? Farood bugged out, left Darklon there. So Darklon's now trying to escape. There's Joe's trapped in the prison with the Emir and this field team of Lieutenant Falcon and Spirit and a few other guys, they're there on a rescue mission because they've now found out the nuke's going to go off. But one thing I wasn't fully understanding is why was Zartan and, and Zorana and Road Pig and Pale Peony there? What were they trying to do again? Just one clarification I would on. like to make, Chief. I think Farood, it was Farood who wanted to do the test. He was like, this facility and all his personnel are disposable. Yes. I'm going to set it off. That's right. So it was his idea. And I think he's still there with Darklon by the end of the issue. Maybe that's him shouting to Darklon, we're trapped, Darklon. Okay, fine. Yeah, yep, yeah. Yep. Uh, Zartan's presence, I assume... He's wanting to get on the inside with Cobra again, yes. get on, on their good books. I think he wants to secure 
the Crytron right. as some kind of bargaining chip. Got it. He's there to steal the steal it back and use it as a like you say a bargaining chip. Yep, fine, fine. Oof. I do. It's pretty convoluted. He's, I, he's definitely putting his neck out a little bit too far. I'd say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do love. There's a there's a scene a couple of pages on from where we were looking there, and you see Zartan with a shooter and letting off some rounds, which. It's a cool image because I don't I don't recollect many pages of GI Joe where Zartan has got a machine gun and is actually firing it. Do you? Yeah, I mean the, the Dreadnoughts are renowned for never using conventional weapons. They're the guys with buzz saws and yeah. f- torches and stuff. But yeah, it, it's cool to see. It's like a two man team or brother and sister team. Yeah. Zorana and Zartan both like laying down suppressive fire he's going high she's going low it's a very militaristic very approach for very like, much so and mm. it feels it gives zartan much more serious bent i think much more you know this is this is a serious undertaking here that the mission's gone south and let's you know extract ourselves post haste chief you are onto something man i love that i love that observation yeah that like Zar- zartan and zarana for all their unconventionality they'll still be able to gun you down with excellent expert marksmanship. Like, they are they're soldiers before everything else. Yeah, yeah. And like, full- all the additional traits that they have with disguises and impersonations and infiltrations, that's just on top of, like, all the basic skills being covered already. Yeah, and, and full credit to Gallant for realizing it, even though it's kind of just two panels kind of merging into one, you know, the way that Zartan's kind of... Holding the gun and the 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 poses and the crouching and the angle, just you know, really, I don't know, it's powerful stuff. I thought, yeah, very good, very very good. Violent issue, man. Pale peonies chucking swords. One guy's just gone in his front, out his back. Flip the page, and spirits chucked a knife right through Dark Lon's lower forearm. It's it's a violent <laughs> one. Yeah, it's nice to see Spirit Iron Knife using that Iron Knife, That's baby. <laughs> Damn, right through Darklon's forearm. I mean, uh, yeah, they do not pull any punches. I do feel like under IDW's tenure, this book has been allowed to become more openly violent. Whereas in the Marvel book, the the violence was implied. They'd cut away. Or you'd see people kind of falling over, yes. no exit wounds, rat tat tat across the page, yeah. but no like violent bloodshed in yeah. the panels. Yeah, I mean, mm. even more so to the fact that we were going to get an execution from of the Joes by the the prison guards who are still there, and he's about to, you know, he's got a gun right on the back of Airtight's head, and he's about to pull the trigger, but that gets foiled, and then we actually do get an execution, you know, perpetrated by the Emir later on, where he's mm. now freed and they've escaped, and he's he says, uh, okay, we have to. We have to all go get the weapons from the guardhouse and attack the last holdout elite troopers from behind. He just wastes those two guards. Yeah, he says, all the prisoners here are my supporters and they're not interested in fighting for you Americans, nor will they have any respect for me unless I mete out justice to those murderous guards, which he does. He then (laughs) caps them off. Definitely uh, adding a lot more bite than the Joes were prepared to have. I mean, (laughs) Airtight takes out the guards using, like, laughing gas. No, what is it? Uh, Sneezing powder. Sneezing powder. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like they missed a trick because finally Airtight is using his kind of practical Joker tricks uh, in the pages of the comic book. So that is a wonderful callback to his file card. But like when he's throwing up in the the earlier sequence 
and we learn that it's actually rubber vomit, vomit or plastic <laughs> vomit. Why don't we actually see the vomit? Like, yeah. establish the gag before you reveal the gag. That's yeah, it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Just me nitpicking. And I'm sure you just could have been retching or simulating throwing up. And I don't yeah. think he actually needed that plastic. Was that the that was the linchpin that fooled them? Was it the, the, the yeah, rubber? Totally, seat? Totally. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Also, I want to touch on here Road Pig because he saves Pale Peony. She's been shot. Zorana's like, leave her. We don't need her anymore. And he actually goes back to save her. And I've written a note down here saying, why Why is Road Pig showing loyalty to Pale Peony? And then later in the issue, you actually remember, because he says, she took a bullet for me, and then close up on his eye, that counts for something. So is he kind of suggesting that Pale Peony might be a replacement for Zorana because she hasn't really stood up for him in the past or wouldn't put her life on the line for him, whereas Pale Peony would? I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into that. He's just a horn dog, man. <laughs> All right, okay. Simple. <laughs> yep, simple. Yeah, totally. Zorana has, has has put down his advances throughout the years. <laughs> and he's, he's moving on. His attention elsewhere. There you go. There you go. Okay. I don't know. That's that's what I read. I mean, it happens so briefly and almost off panel. Like Pale Peony, I think, kicks him over and right. then takes the shot. Okay. Uh, she 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 kills the god that was gonna kill him and then she gets shot i mean it's it's blinking you miss it stuff but uh i suppose you know not not in the lives of these characters yeah yeah. chief there is an amazing scene played out over one page which has no panel lines okay do you know the one i'm talking about uh no go and hit me up with it and i can skip to it i think it's page 15 or at least in the the electronic format that i have yep there are no panel lines and Everything is happening kind of in a cascade. Um, the Joes are incarcerating... They, well, they've got um, Farood and Darklon yep. eating the dirt. Yep, got it. Falcon is like barking... Or, well, he's, he's looking absolutely mauled. He's yes. got an entrance wound and an exit wound in his face. <laughs> <laughs> and he's given the orders uh, mutely. He's sort of indicating um, to Leatherneck that uh, the loot is signaling line abreast. Yeah. And then... the Falcon's actual pose is what breaks up the middle and bottom panels. Yeah. You can't really call them that. But, and then they're all charging forward. It's fantastic, man. It's, a, it's an interesting page layout and design. And mm. it, it does work because, like you say, it's almost it's one visual, but it's three separate panels. You know, Darklon... It has a movie poster yeah. feel. Like action movie from the 80s. Darklon eating dirt kind of breaks up that real small panel. With Leatherneck there, and then, like you said, Falcon's straight arm out with the signal breaks it up again. But yeah, very cool, very cool design. Amazing, you know, having the big figures and then the smaller figures charging in the in, in the bottom of the poster, as I'll call it. Yeah, it is very All cinematic. Right, let, me, let me make a note. Post that up on the social media. Yeah, they have a bit of problem uh, following the lieutenant's uh, instructions because. If Leatherneck says uh, the loot wants us to form a line abreast, they've formed anything <laughs> but, dude. <laughs> and I have a question about this as a way of advancing yeah. in military formations. If you are staggering your formation like that and the back guys are opening fire, are we not running the risk of a big friendly fire situation? Massively, yes. Yeah. Poof. I think these guys are just that good. <laughs> Especially when one at the yeah. back is that Zap with an RPG as Jeez. well. Jeez, <laughs> it's soaring over Falcon's head, yeah. man. It must have actually cleared the gap between oh, yeah. his head and his arm. Yeah. <laughs> Jeepers. Unless that's the grenade from uh, Leatherneck's 
underslung grenade launcher. No, that's definitely. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, hazardous, hazardous. They, they get hazardous pay, they're fine. <laughs> how did you feel? We will touch on it briefly. How do you feel about the Jinx Blue Ninja pages that we get? Well drawn, if nothing else. Dude, suspending my general disdain for these disposable ninjas uh, and what they bring to G.I. Joe at this point, I freaking loved it. Yeah. Jinx is badass, dude. Defo. She's incredible. And the art is incredible. Uh, I I say it many times, but it still is something that I treat with some degree of elation. The the sort of blinding white effect that you get in modern comic book arts that we never got, you know, back in the day um, in the old process is stunning. Whether it's electrical crackling or screens glowing or just the sort of the violence of a blade going into metal... It's very visceral and it's it's so good, and the the, this, the the contrast between obviously broad daylight in the desert and this very dimly lit ninja sequence, you said it, man, cinematic. Yeah, yeah, good stuff, good stuff, and that kind of holds the the Deus Ex Machina, if you will, because she manages to get this data from the Revanche Corporation, which which has details on the the Krypton, etc. Yeah, and therefore, like, revealing that it's actually a straw man, it's yes. uh, it's a fake, it, it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. And in that breath, I need to, um, <laughs> I need to bow to the chief. You were right all along. Right. Destro played everybody. Yeah, because that happens on the last page of the issue, and... I couldn't remember this at all, so this this was just an assumption I was making, but he proves to be the mastermind we hoped he would be all along. Brilliant. Yeah. He set the wheels in motion by creating this thing, which ultimately didn't work. He told the Joes about it, which gave it credibility in the, the eyes of the sort of the terrorist nations of the world. And he even went through with kind of adding credibility to the weapon sale by showing up personally and acting all but heard about the fact that Darklon had it. Yeah, dude, master plan. And I mean, his yeah. final words on the subject are, it's just his contribution to world peace. <laughs> what an ending. I mean, this is how we say Larry Harmer closes out plots and story arcs on the last page many, many times. This is one of his best, I think. This was just like the perfect ending because so many movies, books, comics, etc., have a great beginning you know a great middle and it's that last third that ending that a lot of stories struggle with but this for me was just like boom perfect ending i gotta know chief aside from your sixth sense about destro being large and in charge and typically in control all the time do you think that in the mind of larry he knew that that this was going to be a phony situation that that the destro was manipulating it i do and i think well i don't know he famously of you know we don't want to retread boards that everyone has heard the stories of but him famously saying i don't know what's going to happen from one page to the next i certainly don't know what happens on page 22 when i start writing page one i think you can take that with a pinch of salt there's definitely going to be certain things that he's aware of i'd like to think that this was planned to be honest Mm. uh but well i don't know as would i as would i i mean it's certainly a credit to his writing if it was planned and he was able to hoodwink me particularly because i was hoodwinked by it um so well but the flip side to that i've got to play devil's advocate if he wasn't a hundred percent certain about how it would end up 
that would only enhance the level of ambiguity that the scenes played out with. Yeah, I think you're right. You know what I mean? Like, every time Destro made an appearance, we were not seeing a definitive strategy from him because in the mind of the author, these things were still percolating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Either of those work yeah. fine with me, whether it was planned or not planned as it came along. But yeah, great stuff, great stuff. Um, so are you going to yojo this one? Yeah, do, what do you want to do? I'm going to yojo the, the eight issues for this. Uh, up to you. You don't have to. You can just uh, give us your thoughts and opinions overall if you want to. I guess I can only do kind of relative ratings right now. And yeah. I think I gave the Blue Ninja arc like a seven. Okay. Uh, this would be a, a mid seven. Okay. Oh, no. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll big, dude. I'm going to go eight. Whoa. Coming in hot. <laughs> S-Jub seven, giving it an eight. S-Jub's eight, we'll call you from now on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to steal your thunder, Chief. I mean, where where do you see this fitting in the kind of hierarchy? Well, I I was probably somewhere around a seven to a, a mid seven as the issues were rolling onto each other. Now with this conclusion, I think I am somewhere between a seven and a half, a mid seven to an eight. So I'm going to percolate. I'm going to look at my my score sheet. As as listeners of uh, a third cheap plug for the Outer Timers, if you're not listening, go and listen. I quite often say that I don't like to rate things in a vacuum. I like to compare one to another. So I'll look at other things I've got on my Master G.I. Joe list around the eight and seven and a half and see where it slots in. It could be either of those numbers, but I will let you know where I put it next week. Well, S-Jub 8 is rating in a vacuum, and uh, <laughs> in spite of the weaker elements that this run had, I'm not too sold on Clutch's, uh, Clutch and Rock and Roll no. sub-story. But it came right in the end. Good, and good. a good old brawl in the desert with Falcon taking a yeah. shot to the face. Hey, <laughs> um, I'm on board, brother. Listen, we are going to now look at 188. And this is the first part of, I would assume, a multi-part storyline. Again, I can not I can, I can remember the Red Shadows and the Black Major showing up when I read it the first time round, But I don't recall where it went or how long it lasted. But it's clearly the first part of a multi-part storyline. And... We're taking a complete departure from where we've been. Here we've got a small group of Joes, as we mentioned, those five on the cover of this issue. They are out at sea off the coast of Kalingaland in East Africa, and a ship has been hijacked by pirates. Yeah, Kalingaland. Didn't we first... Kalingaland, yeah. Didn't we first visit it uh, in the pages of Special Missions? More than likely, yes. I yes. seem to recall it being one of Jim Godfrey's favourites. Okay. And since and you so kindly sent me all the covers, uh, I think I could track it down. Yeah. It is... And while you're looking at that, it's interesting you mentioned special missions because this had a special missions vibe to it for me, this issue. Special missions number 10. Yep. That's Little it. Little Prince Ngoto. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and surprisingly, he's actually on this mission. Uh, I, I find that a little bit far-fetched. Like, yeah. the the monarch or the prince of this nation to actually kind yeah. of put himself... Oh, is that the guy? Like That's that. the guy from that special missions issue, is it? I believe so, yeah. Prince Ngoto. Ah, oh, right, okay. I see what you're saying now. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. He's with the Joes and his his half-brother... No, his brother-in-law, is it? Is is actually the head of the pirates, Yeah. Taking matters into their own hands, uh, geez, these guys uh, for royalty, they <laughs> they sure like to live dangerously. They do, they do, and they've got a key hostage on board this ship, and it is Doctor Adele Burkhart, obviously seen in issue one of the Real American Hero series, and then sporadically appearing throughout. Callbacks are plenty, and yep. some that go beyond 
G.I. Joe, a real American hero. Of course, the big talking point then, I guess. Well, it's the pretty standard setup of Joe's doing a night insertion on a big ship that has pirates on it. <laughs> but... Just, just very quickly, very quickly, <laughs> and this is an offshoot. Page one, panel two... Gung Ho, front of the Zodiac, has he got his cap on backwards? <laughs> Zooming in now. Yes, he does. Okay, oh, that's a great touch. Okay, fine, fine. I'm just checking. I'm just wondering if that's something Gung Ho would do. And I'm actually fine with him doing that. Later on in the well, issue, he has righted that cap to be front-facing. Oh, mate, if you are riding your Zodiac into the wind, I mean, have you ever... Oh, surely you've, you've, on a windy day, worn a yeah. peak cap and that peak... You know, that keeps lifting up. That's going to blow it. away. Flip reverse that aerodynamics. Bam. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Standard, sorry, carry on. Standard insertion for the old rescue op for the Joes. I was going to kick it over to you, man. Okay. What's the big reveal, Chief? Well, the big reveal is we get to see the Black Major on the deck uh, alongside the, the pirate leader. And he is fully decked out in his in his blacks with his red-trimmed... Uh, officer's hat on and the skull and crossbones on the lapel and it's like what the deuce is happening here and then obviously we get the red shadows later on because these are characters that would have never appeared in real american hero gi joe comics i guess the red shadows appeared in the devil's due run but these were a kind of a callback to to battle action force from the uk i have a confession to make chief go on I, I've been unfaithful, man. Okay, that's fine. I, I haven't been reading uh, the IDW series exclusively. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I've been I've been dipping into the well that is Battle Action Force. And wow, wow! The now well you are, is good. You are a you are a lucky man then, because I, you know, I claim to be a, a GI Joe fan. Not all things GI Joe, because as we all know on this show i'm not that well versed with some of the later toys or the or the cartoon etc but i even myself i have not dipped my toe into all the old battle action force stuff so that is something that i'm gonna have to remedy so you've probably at this point read more than i have uh, well then you've just got an exciting adventure ahead of you man cool. or uh, as you like to call it more homework <laughs> <laughs> oh drat the ever increasing list Chief, it. it's really good man and Excellent. it's good in ways that or unexpected to me, but that's an that's an entirely different set okay. of podcasts, right yes. there. Yes. Damn, damn, damn. But these are characters, and again, I I am familiar with these characters from their toy point of view, and some of the issues, their appearances in those issues that I've read. But and again, maybe Diagnostic Eighty would be more versed here for full knowledge of all this era of UK comics. But this was this was, I guess, from the early to mid 80s would it have been or late 80s these action battle action force and the appearance of these characters pretty much early to mid i think uh started up in in late 82 if i'm uh, oh dear okay <laughs> let me not put myself out there but i think by 1984 you started seeing integration of the american characters right okay but these were the main battle action force these were the main enemies as opposed to cobra were they yes okay yes i i hope i'm not giving the game away too much when i say that Baron Ironblood, the leader of the Red Shadows yep. in Battle Action Force continuity, became Cobra Commander. And Red oh, Jackal wow. became Destro. Destro. Okay, and yes. so the Cobra Cobra Command was born out of the Red Shadows. But I think, oh man, I haven't read this in a long time, but I think 
Iron Blood actually exterminates his red shadows and okay. begins anew. Like, All he's right. personally responsible for destroying the old organization. Because right. I think Action Force had gotten too close to to finally nailing him. Ah, he's a great character, man. He's a great character design. Love that. And Black Major here is fantastic. You know, <sighs> so good. Okay, yes, but let's go back All to right, Black where Major, we're at now. Red yeah. Shadows, Mouton. Yeah, I mean, so many Action Force designs um, being debuted in the pages of this this comic book. I really wonder how that came about. Then I wonder what what drove Larry to to include those in this. There was a convention exclusive in 2010. Okay. Which in, which set the sort of Black Major and Red Shadow figures in O-ring style. Oh wow. But that that was that was old news by the time this comic book came out. So maybe he just wanted to address it. It was like this stuff is untapped, which yeah. kind of flies in the face of his philosophies on not reading other people's stuff. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. you know, because this is a totally separate creative team dealing with a, t- a totally separate like IP almost. I mean, at yeah. this point, Action Force and G.I. Joe were distinct. You know, in the early 80s, both to- toy lines were Star Wars inspired, but were completely different entities. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, I think Larry has said in the past, he's not going to go around looking for other G.I. Joe content, but he's fine with other people bringing stuff to his attention. So maybe it got brought to his attention. Look at, you know, these cool characters from you know a bygone era from another almost brand what do you think and he might have looked at him and thought okay I actually quite like these dudes let's include him in so i don't think he purposely goes looking but he's willing to be shown stuff so maybe i love the redesign on muton finally he doesn't or it doesn't look like a deep sea diver just <laughs> yep. with some kibble attached it yeah. looks imposing it looks heavy oh man it's, it's a great design great redesign really good job there yeah how and the 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 red, the red shadow it's interesting because there's a bit where uh the red shadow the, the the black major he gives some order to uh, raise the black flag which I guess means an all out assault and they're laying down uh, heavy fire and the joes actually say cobras might not have fallen for that but these guys are still hardcore so almost a suggestion that the red shadows are a, a pale imitation of cobra in a way but because when they're first introduced, they look like a, an elite strike force. The overarching vibe that I get from the Red Shadows ultimately in the pages of Battle Action Force is that these guys are fanatical to the point of being suicidal. Okay, which actually plays out be, here in this issue. Yeah, maybe they're not the most finessed, well-trained troops. Uh, certainly there is an early issue of Battle Action Force dealing with their training that the Black Major is administering, and it's very much in the same vein as Wingfield. It's like, okay. if your if your mates can't make it up the obstacle course, kick him, because he'll only slow you down. Uh, so it's like a major, major bit of attrition, and I think they are basically trained to just throw their lives away. Yes, yeah. Which yeah. flies in the face of their snappy red uniforms, you know. If you if you're gonna have suicide bombers for troops, don't uh, dress them so immaculately. But hey, what can you do? It's a winning, winning design. That's it. I mean, it partly strikes of kind of crimson guard, obviously because of the red, etc. The helmet kind of does have a Nazi stormtrooper, a Nazi stormtrooper vibe about it. I think. Yeah. And you know, especially the what what weapons are they using there as well? They look kind of yes. It looks like a German MP40 or a, yeah. or even a, a grease gun. So they definitely are playing in that, playing to that aesthetic. And the fun thing about it was, 
I mean, there's no denying that the the basis for the Red Shadows, the kind of um, the action figure itself, used a Wehrmacht mold, body mold. Right. Okay. So, so it's it, totally in the uniform, the kind of the Fritz style helmets and the yeah. the the pack around the, the the figure's lower back. Here's one, but you won't like, and the tomahawk has pulled around and up pops roadblock with Marduce laying down some heavy fire and he is surrounded by sound effects <laughs> uh, what do you do and they look a bit necessary they look a bit looney tunes superhero-y over the top sound effects as well at least it feels like it's it's part of the artist's vision you know these right. aren't just uh, overlays like it's it's definitely part and parcel of that design to have the onomatopoeia so bold. Yeah. So it's it's almost more acceptable than like something that looks like an afterthought, like that was put in by maybe even a letterer. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. You're right. It is Looney Tunish, but I'm gonna give it a pass because it makes up the composition of yeah. the artwork. Yeah. Apologies. We always like to give credit here. It was uh, S.L. Gallant on art for these two issues, Gary Erskine on inks, and Jay Brown on colours. Obviously, Larry Harmer writing. And it kind of leaves you on a bit of a cliffhanger because Adele Burkhart has now been deemed unnecessary because the, the Black Major says, special ops teams don't negotiate and they don't take prisoners, so your value as a hostage is now nil. At least I won't have to hear your annoying, snarky voice anymore. Wait! Next panel, blam. So... Is she dead? I was expecting to turn the page and see that it was someone else taking out the Black Major. The Blam was someone else's gun, but we don't get that conclusion. I'll have to wait till the next issue to find out what actually happened to Adele Burkhart. What we do get on the final page is a flying red skull. Oh, so good. Yeah. Once again, epic engine effects. Just seeing yeah. it bear down on the whale. That is that is a terrific mini poster, if you ask me. Yeah, I had that. I had that vehicle. That was pride of place. That toy I had. Jeez. As a kid. Well, Chief, yeah. guess what you're handling? Chief talks about toys this evening. Uh, okay, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to talk about the Robo Skull? No, I want you to talk about it because I can't remember it much, and I will weigh in well, when I can. Mate, well, I was I was actually going to talk about uh, Black Major. Okay. But the Roboskull is way cooler toy to talk about. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's be honest. Let's decide. Let's, um, I don't, I, overall, just wrapping up on the comics here, a great first issue for this story arc, I thought. Oh, so good. Yeah. Jeez. There's a little seesaw like trick that happens uh, earlier on where the Joes don't get discovered because a, a crewman or one of the pirates is swept overboard by the yes. weather. That is absolute fantastic good luck. But then luck swings the other way, and the Joes themselves, when they're mounting the, the, the ship, are swept away. So I find that fantastic. Like, you know, you expect the heroes to always kind of emerge unscathed. No, yeah. it's, it's like good luck goes both ways. I mean, that is a great touch. That's showing you how, how much they're having to fight Mother Nature here out in the ocean. The even hand of fate. Yes, oh. it. D- just and such visceral action. I mean, yeah. gung-ho, full-on, like, headbutts a dude in his nose. Crush. That's incredible. Yeah, love gung-ho. Yeah. He's going up in my... Well, he's, he's always been up there, but he's jumping even higher. Well done. Lastly, I just want to briefly touch on... And we've mentioned this for the last several issues and episodes we've covered. Very violent, and, and even to the point where a guy's coming out of the mess hall, and Scarlet has basically just capped this guy, and he's that's where she's shot him, and he's fallen over... She's not shooting to wound. She's shooting to kill. They're all shooting to kill. 
before uh, rules of engagement. But, yeah, but before these are, host- these yeah, are pirates. No, there've been no hostilities have opened up. That she she's engaged. She started the engagement there by killing him because they have taken hostages. Yeah, you know the the priority is no longer peaceful resolution of the situation. The, the priority is the life of the hostages, yeah. and you know all it takes is one guy with an automatic weapon to spray down a room, yeah. and and it's o- game over. So yeah, they they're definitely not pulling their punches. Okay, how great is Gung Ho's expression as he looks through the Hulk that is Muton uh, and the right, hole yeah. that, that they, they punch through with a shape charge, and he's yeah. like, oh, "Stark was right, nobody home in there." Yeah, yeah that's good. That's good. <laughs> Dude, this issue is off the chain. This is a 10 out of 10 issue for yeah, me. I'm looking forward to wow. seeing where this goes. We will catch up next episode with 189 and 190. But right now, uh, we've got a decision to make because we're going to talk about <laughs> some toys, but we don't know which one. So here's Toy Talk. Steve talks about toys. Ho, ho. Steve talks about G.I. Joe. He talks about all the toys from the comic book and the animated show. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Uh, will it be? Will it be? Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll roll with the, the Black Major because yes. hey, this is his issue, man. Yeah. Um, this is his reintroduction, and he has got one hell of an interesting origin story. Okay. So the toy was a 1983 vintage by Pally Toy, called the Black Major. His personal name was Top Secret. His action force code number, none. Primary military specialty, combat control. Secondary military specialty, classified. And here goes the biog on the Palitoy action force uh, card. It said, former action force member, one of best trained marine commandos before capture by Baron Ironblood. Sophisticated brainwashing turned him into a dedicated and ruthless follower. Brilliant military commander and tactician. Information very uncertain. And then there's a quote saying, Totally emotionless, the Black Major carries out Baron Ironblood's orders without question. Right. He's the, he's the number one, yeah. Big time, dude. And that biog is brutally brief to yes. try and encapsulate this character, which to my mind is one of a kind. I mean, are there any other examples of a good guy turning to the bad? I do not believe so. Neither do I, man. It's always been a kind of a ruse, a long game, like Chuckles or Dusty, you know, characters yep. that are, have, have been known to work for Cobra, then kind of come out of it clean on the other side. But Black Major, he went full on Vader, man. I suppose that's the analogy. <laughs> he did, yeah. He did. Uh, the Biog talks of brainwashing, but if you read the self-titled Black Major story from the Battle Action Force comic books, yes, it's far subtler. It's far, far subtler. It chronicles his story from school through to his initial recruitment for the Royal Marines to his eventual recruitment for uh, Action Force and his ultimate um, first encounter with Baron Ironblood. And all through it, you get the idea that he is highly motivated. He's extremely good at what he does, but he has a kind of an ethical gray area in that he's not going to let loyalty get in the way of his ambitions. So he will throw his uh, fellow teammates under the bus if it means he can get a promotion or get further into his military career. He engages in criminal enterprises. Uh, I think there's one mission where, well, it's not really a mission. He just is sent off to to London to get new um, military dress uniform. And he witnesses a bank robbery or a jewelry heist. 
and he actually <laughs> he he introduces himself to this criminal syndicate and he's like i can show you a thing or two <laughs> let me plan your next heist so he's kind of moonlighting as a criminal he is engaging professional hitmen to take out members of the royal marines that he would actually like kind of taken care of um, right. and, and 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 done away with so he's got all this bad stuff bubbling under but it's not going unnoticed He's got a comrade in arms, a guy called Dylan. Now, he and Dylan are recruited for Action Force at the same time. Yep. So, this whole way, this kind of trust scenario is playing out between these two men. And, you know, every time Dylan thinks, oh, this guy's gone over to the bad, um, the black major or his, his alias, uh, John Shepard, yep. as they call him, uh, does something to kind of exonerate himself. So, he's kind of seesawing. But then ultimately, his first confrontation with Iron Blood and the Red Shadows just snaps him. It was more a case of Baron Iron Blood manipulating him emotionally and not so much brainwashing per se. Just snaps him, man. He's like, finally, this organization can grant me the power that I've sought my entire career. It's time to leapfrog Action Force just like I leapfrogged the Royal Marines and the Criminal Syndicate. And I'm going to join the winning team. Yeah. And in the end, he betrays Dylan and joins Iron Blood and Action Force, make him public enemy number one, man. It's yeah. their mission to take him down. Yeah, man. Um, I have just jumped on to bloodforthebaron.com. Go check it out. Great website. And just to look at the figure. And this dude came with some kind of uh, deciphering pamphlet. Hey, what a great little break of the fourth wall. <laughs> I mean, he's a bog-standard action figure. Ironically, he uses the same mold as... The mail-away figure, which is called the uh, the Action Force Commander. Okay, yes, yep. From 1982. So there's nice continuity in that even the figure is a kind of a turncoat. It's yeah. like, hey, you were a good guy last year, now you're a bad guy. But the accessories, while few in number, are just fantastic. Probably the best AK-47. I think he repurposed it from the G.I. Joe or the, the Cobra Officer AK-47. Right, okay. But then he comes with that little code book. Yeah. So you can decode red shadow messages. I mean, they they really had their thinking caps on in in presenting a fascinating and interesting play pattern with your action figure. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of, I'm looking at a blown up image. So you've got letters A to Z and then numbers one through nine plus zero. And they all correspond to different, almost hieroglyphic-y kind of symbols. So then decode that message. And uh, where would the messages have appeared then in the comic? You know what? Scratch me, man. Uh, I think we've reached the depth of my knowledge on Pally Toy Action Force. Right. <laughs> I never had this figure, Chief. Um, I've only got a small smattering of of Action Force figures and the right. Black Major. I think because his fantastic um, skull and crossbones Red Shadows symbol, the yeah. tampo on his chest is so often rubbed off, I've often been too shy to drop dollar on the action figure because oh, right. they're invariably always scuffed and, and, and rubbed off. So I've yet to find one in good nick. I'd love to make him part of my collection, but so yeah. far, no samples have presented themselves. Okay. Did you have this okay. figure as a child? Uh, I did, yes. Did have this figure. Oh, wow. Cool. Is he still in your box? No, I've got zero. Zero of the old Palatoy Action Force figures left. Yeah. Nothing. Okay, did they did they get uh, scalped off for, for video game money? No, 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 I, I would have got rid of... I don't think I would have sold anything from my collection. I think I probably... When would I have got rid of them? So I had... 
along was it along the same timeline? I had about two hundred Star Wars figures plus a couple of Atats, like three X wings, a B wing, a Y wing, loads of snow speeders and things. And I sold the whole Star Wars collection at a car boot sale in a Safeways car park, and I got about one hundred and fifty pounds so I could buy a mountain bike because no one in the village had a mountain bike, and I wanted to be one of the first ones to have it. So that was my whole Star Wars collection gone in one fell swoop probably for like a tenth of its actual cost and I'm trying to think what happened to my G.I. Joe stuff I wonder how much later I saw or I got rid of my G.I. Joe stuff because I've got a, a, a box full of maybe 20 or 30 figures but I had a collection three times that size and loads and loads and loads of vehicles and I have no I'm trying to recollect where they all went but they all went for some reason I only kept a small sampling of it and zero of that is the Palatoy Action Force stuff, of which I did have quite a lot anyway. But long story short, yes. uh, no, I Except don't have any. Except for uh, Hawk and Blades, man. Yeah, Hawk and Blades. The That's SAS the only Hawk. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. SAS Hawk and Blades. Well, it's a good one. Uh, look after that bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> When we do our eventual meetup, Chief, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna play with your action figures, okay? Yeah, that's fine, man. That's fine, my friend. Deal. Um, did did <laughs> uh, just going back to the Black Major quickly? Did he get a, a re-release figure or anything? I know you said there was an O-ring, but what was the O-rings? The Iron Blood and who else did they do? Well, strangely enough, uh, Baron Iron Blood was not included in the O-ring okay. gift set. Yeah, the Black Major. Uh, saw a an O-ring version which <laughs> made use of an M Bison head from the GI Joe Street Fighter okay. um, action figure line. But I mean, you know, if if the head fits, wear it. Uh, he came with a whole mess of Red Shadow troopers. Right. In fact, not only Red Shadows, but they they invented a new breed of Red Shadow called the Red Torches, which were basically Red Shadow flame troopers. Really, okay. really nice. Um, this was for the 2010 International G.I. Joe Convention in Providence, Rhode Island, which is obviously Hasbro's backyard. Very nicely presented. Came with a, came with a flint, and it was called Vacation in the Shadows. Oh, yeah. I've just, I've just got some pictures up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it. Yeah, man. It, it teams up uh, Black Major with the Interrogator from uh, classic G.I. Joe, who was oh, yeah. a battlecopter pilot from 1991. Yeah, right. Nice set, but it's going to set you back some pretty... Penny online. I think I see. I've seen some of the Red Shadows figures or Red Torches going for over a hundred dollars, one hundred fifty dollars even. Disgusting. Okay. And that's for an individual figure. Eesh. Yeah. Wow. Jeepers. Okay. Stay clear. <laughs> um. Good. Good toy chat. Uh. This this week, as always, uh, enjoyed it going down memory lane for the Chief Dog. There'll be more talking toys next week. But right now, we need to confuse some people because it's time for Commonwealth Colloquialisms, a.k.a. Over Egg in the Pudding. We got a pudding. We got a pudding. We're gonna over egg that pudding. Ain't got no criticisms. We got some Commonwealth Colloquialisms. Radio, are you gonna are you gonna sandwich me up this week again? Well, chief, <laughs> uh, the um, term that I'm going to throw out is something that I heard. Uh, I think the context might give it away, so I'm just gonna go in raw at the moment and just say, what do you think of when I give you the Aussie colloquial uh, word stack hat? Stack hat. Very briefly, I've just looked up Black Major mint on card, 150 pounds on eBay. For the 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 palatoy the action force palatoy one, 
That seems about right. But okay. I mean, look, eBay, you're never going to get deals on eBay. It's, no, it's always going to be inflated. Um, there are groups online, uh, f- particularly Facebook. I've just joined one. It seems like there's constantly Pally Toy stuff um, coming up for sale. And this is the Pally Toy Collectors Group on okay. Facebook. Okay. Anyone who's interested, just shoot me a message. I'll point you in their direction. Oh, cool. It looks like I found a loose one here for 25 quid with a, a, a good-looking skull and crossbones. But again, maybe... You- cheaper online okay no fine so i've completely forgotten what the the word was already so hit me with it again uh, it's not even a word it's two words oh. damn it it's a term <laughs> it's a stack hat a stack hat so i'm not going down the avenue of it being a type of hat that's too too obvious a stack hat bloody hell look at that stack hat oh i've got a bad <laughs> case of the stack hats um no 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 nothing i can't go you're just gonna put me out of my misery so, so you were thinking like it, it might be a derogatory term, like maybe like ass hat, yeah, <laughs> ass hat. Uh, well, you actually were uh, on the right track with uh, with root one, brother. It, okay. it definitely does refer to a hat, and <laughs> it's a it's a hard hat. Ah, okay, yeah, stack okay. hat. Uh, I've got actually two this week as well. And, no, well, one you sandwich me up, brother. One, one, <laughs> one you gave me at the start of the episode, so it might not even be one. But we'll come to that at the end. But the first one I'm going to use was when I posted up the question for the listeners of what's your favourite Real American Hero cover. I think it was G.I. Joe Fanatic sent me a message saying there was a homage cover to the... Uh, it's called G.I. Joe Snake Eyes Dead Game. Oh, this is must be the variant for the new Rob Liefeld one. Issue one, where it's got Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow kind of going at it. It's a bit of a homage to the Incredible Hulk 181. Have you seen that cover? Ah, uh, yes. Well, I, I saw the post. Sorry, I've got a mouthful of popcorn now. No, you're okay. Um, yeah, I, I did. It's fantastic. But I mean, but, but the, this those... is nothing new. Liefeld copies, I mean, mercilessly. Yeah. I just. Yeah. <laughs> I, d- I mean, I don't know who, I don't know who that cover is. I'm going to send it. Maybe we're looking at the wrong one. I'm going to send that to you now. But the, the, the colloquialism comes from the fact that I replied saying it's a cracker and. G.I. Joe Fanatic sent back a question mark as if, what are you talking about? Because I believe in the United States, if that's indeed where G.I. Joe Fanatic's from, uh, calling something or someone a cracker is not ideal. And it means something completely different in the UK. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you're, you're, tip, you're tiptoeing, Chief. What is it in the States? Well, Come I'm going to read out the uh, the first Google hit. So, nice. so cracker. Sometimes white cracker is a contemptuous term used for white people, used especially against poor rural whites in the southern United States. It is sometimes used in a neutral context in reference to a native of Florida or Georgia. Hey, you cracker. Obviously, you hear that quite a lot in uh, eight movies in the 80s and 90s. But do you know what I was referring to when I said cracker? Uh, I've always got a bit of an inside edge, unfortunately, Chief. Yeah, yeah man, a, a cracker is like it's something good something exciting like we're in for a cracker we're yeah. in for a really good time that's it that's it and yeah. i think it's shortened from crackerjack so okay. if something was good oh man that was crackerjack and then... crackerjack being a, a popcorn a caramel popcorn not in the uk yeah. i don't believe then what it so what in, in your context what would crackerjack mean its reference would be to like we said to be something that was good but i don't know where that was derived from I will, okay, I, will, okay. I don't know what Cracker Jack derives from, uh, and I will look it up at a later date. But yes, Cracker, if something's a Cracker, <laughs> then it's it's uh, spot on, it's good. So nice. now you can give me your second one. 
So, <laughs> I, I last week I spoke about doing a Mamma Mia live uh, reunion oh, shit. show How'd it online. Go? How'd it go? I overslept. Okay, it didn't, <laughs> I it didn't go. It. Mate, I was... I, this is how relaxed things are in North Queensland. I was at a house party, and the, the we were supposed to play a game of poker, and I'd brought some ales, like a six-pack, to kind of basically slowly work my way through that night. Yes. But the host, he was having none of it. Immediately a shot of whiskey on on arrival. <laughs> I mean, this guy's a functioning alcoholic. Uh, a functioning alcoholic doctor. Be terrified. Be very terrified. <laughs> um, and then subsequent to that, he was hitting me with uh, dark rum over ginger ale. And the, as the night wore on, the, <laughs> the drink became progressively darker. <laughs> Less ale. I was... So yeah, I was so shit faced, buddy. Uh, I I got home. I closed my eyes because this thing was starting at three a.m. Yeah. Oh wow. I I blinked. Literally, I blinked, and an hour and a half slipped me by. Okay. I was a mess the next day, and in South Africa, we would say I had a case of bubblas, or I was bubblas. Bubblas. Um. Okay. You so don't have you- to guess, man. Hungover. Oh, I was going <laughs> to say. I was going to say something like the shits, or but oh, um, that may be of related to too. food, food mm. kind of uh, poisoning or indulgence. But okay, hungover. Okay, yeah, bubbleus. Bubbleus. I, th- I think maybe it comes from bubbles. Uh, bubbleus. Uh, I don't okay. know. And lus sort of is slang for like uh, lethargic. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Good. I'm going to use that. Bubbleus. Uh, my last one Jesus you're getting people are getting four times the fun here on this segment this week so my one you used this at the beginning of this episode and I thought I'll log that I'll store that I'll write that down on my paper and for once I did write something down on my bit of paper Chief lets nothing go to waste and um, I'm not sure if this is a colloquialism and I'm not going to look it up but I'm going to throw it out there and you can say this is used the world over Chief what are you talking about you idiot so you mentioned about giving something some welly very British. Now, obviously, you know what it is. You know, you know what it is because you actually said it. But is that a colloquialism? Definitely, definitely, definitely a very British thing to say. Okay. And the only reason I know, give it some welly, outside of you and Ben, is uh, once again getting back to Mamma Mia, the musical supervisor who came to South Africa to kind of teach us the show. Uh, he would tell me, you know, Jubs, give it some welly. In other words, just like sing out, like really yeah. don't hold back. Sing, sing the damn fucking dancing queen with all of your heart and soul. I think it probably would have originated. I'm going to guess here. Give it some welly, as in put your foot down when you're driving. Give it some welly. Okay. You know, go faster. Wellington but boots. like you said, can be used. Just go bigger. Go big or go home. So, yeah. uh, sing louder. Do it better. Um, push harder, etc. Give it some welly. Damn, I could have saved that for next week. Now I've got to think of a whole new one. There's the fun, Chief. <laughs> okay. Um, listen, uh, let's roll on to the next segment. And this is where we ask you a question. We ask you a question. You being the listeners, us being the people on the podcast, and you answer our question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best one yet. <laughs> I got confused. <laughs> That's great. Oh, Chief. You're the man. <laughs> okay. Um, also, another cheap plug, number four for the Outer Timers. If you are <laughs> listening to our Clone Wars Dispatch show, where we recap the animated episodes of the Clone Wars on this week's, I think, I think maybe Monday's episode, we debut two new jingles on the show, and um, I think you'll like them. They're good. 
second that. I think you've heard them already, haven't you? I have. Yeah. Jeez, Chief. You, you're just spitting the rhymes, man. <laughs> I don't know where you developed this talent, but I think uh, you are. You, you missed your calling, man. You, you, you might be an asset to the sports betting world for now. <laughs> well, listen, yeah, for <laughs> now. Come a side career. Come April 21, April 2021, I'm looking for a new job, so I'm trying to pursue all avenues possible. <laughs> but um, listen, we posed the question of what is your favorite cover from Real American Hero? And good responses. Yes. Uh, Chief, I'm, I feel like I need to set this one out for the simple reason that, at least as a child, the comic book cover was never selling me the book. Okay. What sold me the book was the fact that it had G.I. Joe written across the top of it. Yep, yep. I, I had no... I, and, and the fact that there's no not necessarily any story being conveyed on most of these covers, you know, they're, they're covers for art's sake and for the sake of selling books. Yes. I burned through the cover immediately. Like, I gave it absolutely no attention as a child. And as a result, I don't think I have any any nostalgic feel for any one cover in particular. That's good. That's interesting. I can appreciate them now as an adult, but, like, covers were meaningless to me. Like, in fact, (laughs) most of my childhood collection of of, uh, of floppies are missing the covers anyways. It's the first thing to go, baby. Okay. That's interesting because as a a kid, like you say, what... I don't know. It's difficult because my memory's so bad. I don't know what was drawing me to a particular comic. I think extended runs of comics, so G.I. Joe, Fantastic Four, Daredevil, anything, Superman, Batman, anything that I was buying religiously, then I don't care what the cover is because I'm buying the comic anyway. I think whether the cover for me proved a big draw, and this is going off of the G.I. Joe subject because if it's G.I. Joe, I'm 99% sure I'm going to buy it regardless of the cover but other series when I'm flicking through previews magazine or upcoming solicitations the cover plays a big part I'll look at the creative team I'll look at the cover and if the cover is drawing to my eye then okay I'll read a little bit more about this what's the blurb what's it about so I think it definitely has a big effect for me on new series that I'm maybe not familiar with but looking specifically at the G.I. Joe stuff again as a kid I think I'd probably enjoyed the covers more than you did from your experiences there and when I look at all the covers lined up I definitely get some nostalgic vibes for a lot of them but what we're we're here let's break down what a few of the listeners said and what what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to of all the ones that the listeners suggested as their favorites I'll pull pull out a few that they would have hit my favorites as well and then I've got a few here that no one mentioned that I particularly like so A lot of people mentioned issue 47. This is the one where the assault on Cobra Island, you've got Beachhead, Wetsuit and Hawk in the Devilfish. Yes. I'm not overly fussed on this. This probably came out as one of the top voted covers by people. But for me, Mm. I don't know. It doesn't really do that much for me. I think Hawk's face looks a bit weird. I don't know. It just... Yeah, it's a Mike Zek, and uh, he's definitely up there as, as one of the finest contributors to the, the, the Hall of Covers. But there are some detractors on this one that's going to hurt it for me. I don't know if I agree with uh, bullets being depicted as those kind of red lumps. Yeah. The Devilfish's missiles are in the incorrect place. Wetsuit's got the wrong color helmets and backpack. So, look, if it is coming down to picking your favorites... That's where these nitpicks come into play. Yeah. I'm going to say that people who put number 47 as their favorite did so because of a nostalgic 
reaction they have to this cover. Probably also got to do with the contents. You're reading the story into the cover. Yeah, well, that forms part of my favourite G.I. Joe story arc, that particular Cobra Island one, so... But and this me, would cover. be in, sort of a symbol of that. Yeah. Now so I'm going to rally behind it. I'm going to divert your attention to a cover that no one mentioned, issue 61, mm. which kind of does a similar thing, but for me is much better and more powerful. So this is, again, three Joes firing their guns, centre of the page. So it's a similar-ish kind of setup. But for me, this is Stalker, Snowjob and Quick Kick with the spotlight on them under heavy fire, Quick Kick man down. And for me, I prefer this cover. Yeah drama uh they are on model um any kind of diversion f- uh, from them being on model is is to in, in aid of the plot for instance stalker doesn't have his standard weapon he's actually got a russian uh machine gun yep yeah man yeah it's uh it's a good cover nice nice bit of silhouetting yeah, like yeah, that's definitely. a design touch the barbed wire is a nice design touch that wasn't necessary but it adds okay other mentions we had issue 52 which is storm shadow quick kick about to face off i I quite like that cover i mean there's quite a lot of covers in the series if you look that are kind of 1v1 covers almost i think from that from the 1v1 point of view i think i prefer on a again it's all personal no one's disparaging anyone's suggestions here at all but there's one where I, i think it's 38 where storm shadow and destro are squaring off Right. I thought you were going to say 45, where Zartan's getting the jump on Ripcord. Yeah, another another great one. And you can just r- go across that line on the website here. 48, I quite like Zartan with gung-ho in a headlock. So what else do we have? Someone else said issue uh, 50, because it was their first Joe book. So that's that's interesting, because, you know, nostalgic vibes. So I think that's mm. definitely a thing, something that is personal to you, almost. Issue 43, had a few votes, and friend of the show buddy mark seddon actually had a commission done recently of a recreation of this cover by the amazing ladron artist uh, and when he posts it up which i'm sure he will prepare to be amazed because it's it's mm. a fantastic piece of artwork but that that cover of death holding an m60 oh yeah it's a classic it's a good i one. can't imagine how it could be improved but i wait to be amazed yes um Issue 74 got mentioned, which this is one of my favourites, actually. This is Cobra Island, Cobra Civil War, sorry, on Cobra Island. Foreground, Cobra Commander or Fred Seven getting the better of Serpentor. And then in the background, Hawk and Destro having a bit of fisticuffs. Chaos. And Baroness back there looking very concerned. Yeah, and one of my, this kind of reminded me of one of my favourites that no one mentioned. Issue 16 cover. So scroll back and this is Destro and um oh is it hawk or duke i can't even see i've got a zoom. oh it's hawk man let me zoom yes. in a second what is that night attack yeah, that's course. uh hawk when, when hawk gets gunned down on the back of the that's the, his it. tank oh yeah because cobra commander of course cobra commander's got the the turret on him great yeah. issue jeez hmm. uh people mentioned issue a cover of issue 23 which is a, a nice one the lighting effects are great cobra commander in cuffs is that michael golden cover it is yeah yeah Oof. Yeah, man. I remember back in the day, Ben saying that this looks like it's a modern comic. Like yeah. it just stands apart from everything else that's come before. And yeah. it's true. It's it, kind it of artistic is, in its vibe, isn't it? It's gorgeous. I mean, a lot of care and time must have gone into this cover to make it stand apart from its contemporaries because yeah. it is so in a league of its own. Yeah. Um, what else got mentioned? Issue 108 got mentioned, which is Snake Eyes. This was a couple of people said this. Snake Eyes with 
Cobra Commander in the Cobra Consulate building where he's kind of telling him to back off. Oh, yes. <laughs> I had that comic and uh, that cover definitely tore away. <laughs> right, okay, okay. <laughs> through yeah. through constant rereads. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Uh, issue 26, which is the first part of the, the Snake Eyes two-part origin. Uh, kind of a, a dossier with photos and uh, folders all splashed across the desk. Huh, the orgy of evidence. Yeah, nice touch. Very, very unique. Definitely also in a league of its own. Yep. Um, Chief, did anyone vote for issue number seven? Let's have a look. I don't think they did. Is this the back-to-back Colonel Breakoff stalker? Yes, it is. Yeah. With oh, the explosion and the, the Cobra troopers advancing on them. I love that. Yeah. I love it in its simplicity. And... Yeah. It just tells so much of the story. I think if I, as an adult, am to have an opinion on this topic, Issue Seven's got to take it for me. Yep. Okay, good stuff. I'm going to run through a couple more just so that everyone gets their shout out, hopefully. Issue 21, Silent Issue. I'm not over-fussed on that one particularly. Snake Eyes going up the side of the of the building. Personally, it's, it's, it's okay, but the, the contents are, I think, far outshadow the cover. Uh, issue 63 was mentioned, which is Snake Eyes and Scarlet going across the minefield which I think is a, quite a cool issue. You've got the, the minefield signpost has kind of fallen away, so they don't necessarily, you, you're led to believe they don't know they're wandering into a minefield. Uh, issue 108, which we've already talked about. Issue 103, which is Storm Shadow version 2 camo busting through, or whatever version that is, busting through the glass window. <laughs> cool so many movement lines in that, uh, yep. in that issue. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Uh, issue, issue one. That's one of my favourites, actually. Issue one. Mm, classic, man. The level of action and movement, and you know, in your face, balls out, kind of going on there. Uh, what else have we got? Issue. Well, you mentioned some special missions, actually, which Jim was keen to point out, and I do love the ones he said. So, issue. I'm moving across my tabs to special missions. Issue four. Lifeline is strung up in a tree by his uh, his shoot straps, with the October Guard poised underneath him great cover yeah great storytelling and also Tension. issue six with outback kind of huddled under an, an a ridge an outcropping as the the local guards try to to find him it's a, a hide and seek issue yeah good good stuff yeah gives you an idea of what what you're in for this kind yep. of cat and mouse game both of them in fact i mean those are excellent scenarios to be picked by the artist yeah and brought to to great vivid life yeah Good stuff. I think good response. If we've uh, failed to read out your suggestion, apologies. Uh, <laughs> my battery is running low and I can't get all the stuff up on my phone. But um, I think, as, as always, the response from the listeners was great and carefully measured responses. You know, we, we looked at them all and no cover here is bad. And it's all, as they say, in the eye of the beholder. And if it means something special to you, more power to you. That's what it's all about. Chief, you've been laboring with battery problems on your phone for longer than this podcast has been in existence, man. Get Come a new on. phone. Spring for one. Yeah. Unfortunately, we all must, because once the quality of that battery starts depleting, yeah. it's game over. Well, brother. two things you know. to note here. One, that the battery has not been helped by, and I'm not digging out my missus here, but where I plug my phone in, and this is partly my <laughs> fault, I guess, where I plug my phone in, you're led to believe that you should... Only really charge your phone when it's fully depleted. And when you charge your phone, make sure it's charged to 100%. Don't let it go to 70% and then recharge it when it's down to 50 because that will ruin the battery life. So plug my phone in, 
it's up to about 60% charge, and then the missus comes along, unplugs mine, plugs in the oh. plugs in the iron to start doing the ironing, or something like that. Marriage, yeah, huh? Yeah, that's it. I should have known not to use <laughs> not that socket. I should have known not to use that <laughs> socket, but I am due a phone upgrade soon, so, or maybe even now, so I will investigate that, listeners, come back next week, if only, to hear if Chief's got a new phone. <laughs> oh, come for the phone, stay for the G.I. Joe chat. There you go. We're going to talk about the Robo Skull. Come out. That's it. That's it. Looking forward to that. Been a good show, as always. How, how have you found it? Chief, this bowl of popcorn is still staring me in the face. Oh, get to man. that. Get to that. I've been talking way too much, as usual, but uh, it's been a great show. Yeah, Thank man. you, my friend. Listen, you can find us in all the usual places. That's Talking underscore Joe on Twitter, Talking Joe Comics on Instagram. If you want to fire us an email, it's TalkingJoeComics at gmail.com or head on over to the Facebook page. That's Talking Joe, a GI Joe facebook no a talking joe a gi joe podcast gee i am all over the shop here today listen we got as time of writing we've got 98 members as part of the facebook group come and make it number 100 Ooh. you know do it whoever i'll tell you what i was going to say whoever makes it number 100 i'll send you something in the post but then people will just hold out till that 99th person joins so um i'll tell you what i'll send something out in the post to whoever goes 99 100 and 101 there's incentive for you ah nice even spread great yes. that sounds like an incentive indeed and if you want to find me find me on those same places i'll be there man that's i'll it. monitor those socials myself that's it have you uh, i'm on chiefy two shoes on instagram and twitter that's chief then a y the number two and shoes i've been posting up a daily art pick and i think it's day seven today at a time of writing so i've got one ready to go you've been you've been checking those out s jobs <laughs> i'm not on instagram not uh, nearly enough my friend okay that's fine uh, if it was facebook different story yeah. i have been watching your um your cartoon strip the birthing magnet oh that's strip that's been put on hold that's been put on hold all right okay well that explains it no, buddy. Uh, I will hunt you down on the Insta if that's right. if that's the place to be. No, it's on the it's on Facebook. It's on the the Outer Timers. Oh, really? The Outer Timers on Facebook. I started that page about a week ago. Excellent. So well, then it's on the to do list, and there. so should you, dear listener. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, been a great show. We will see you all next week. And with all that said and done, we will catch you down the road. Yo, Action Force. Ah, nice. <laughs>